Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 23 on the Prismatic Academy podcast. I'm Chrissy Marie, and today I'm sharing a conversation with the very wonderful, charismatic trailblazer and tenacious agent of positive change, Kate Eisler, to discuss a topic that is distinctly relevant, important, and deeply impactful on virtually every skill and level, yet, in my opinion, isn't popular table talk, at least not amongst widespread groups. And I can understand this because our topic, after all, is all about women's rights, and over a loudspeaker, criticism and opinions in this regard land all over the spectrum and on our Facebook feeds. But on a broader scale, the majority, myself included, seem to position themselves or default to a passive and neutral stance. But this place of passivity has proven to be a dangerous one for the individual, communities, and societies, and seems to only serve as a way to pacify controversy and tension while forgetting that in tension, there are opportunities. It's a dialogue we tend to be mindful of, but politely avoid. However, I'm reminded in this conversation that even though we may not directly feel the impact of suppression and inequality that man or woman, binary or trans, black, white, blue, purple, rich or poor, we are never isolated from the suffering of others or the impact of that suffering. It has a way of reaching into our lives from across border walls and firewalls, from neighborhood lines to grocery lines. The line dividing you from a violation of your own innate rights is thinner than you think. You may not have been kept from school to work and salvage through garbage dumps. You may not have been sold or forced to marry at a young age. You may not have been a bonded worker and you may not have ever had a male colleague harass or discredit you simply because you are a woman. But that doesn't mean that it's not your issue. It's everyone's issue. After all, there's a lot more luck and privilege involved in any success in life, and more so than one may consciously realize. And I'm truly grateful to have had the opportunity and time with Kate to discuss this. A small bit of background, Kate is not only the CEO and founder of a great nonprofit called Be Bold Now, which aims to build an intersectional community of women and their allies to inspire, empower, and support each other in taking pragmatic action and accelerating gender parity across core pillars like health, safety, education, and wages. She is also a board member of the organization Girl Rising, which works to ensure that girls around the world are educated and empowered. This organization, among their many amazing initiatives, is also the leader behind the film Girl Rising, which shares the stories of nine unforgettable girls and may sound familiar to you if you've heard of the inspirational figures and women's rights champions like Mariama from Sierra Leone, Amina from Afghanistan, and Malala from Pakistan. Needless to say, I'm really proud of this conversation. It feels important. It is important. And even in spite of my own former ignorance and privilege buffering me from the intolerable suppression that many women face all over the world, after speaking with Kate and now hopefully sharing with you, we can all recognize the significance and non-negotiable necessity of advocating for women's rights, human rights, and equality. This is the kind of topic that I strongly feel has been ready to surface and to be addressed on an even wider platform so that a more prominent path can be paved to serve pragmatic and intentional action at every level, from the individual to society as a whole. So without further ado, 
Here's episode 23, Uplifter, with Kate Eisler. who you are and, and your background. So I am, you know, I sort of, I laugh about who I am now because I've been so many people, I feel like in my entire life. Um, but my career really began um, when someone that I knew at the company I worked for raised his hand and said he was moving to Paris. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can so do that. And I had no experience whatsoever. And I raised my hand. And within a few months, the company said, great. Um, how about the Middle East? Oh, said, wow. oh, wait a minute. I was thinking, you know, a great expat life in, in London, in Paris, maybe Sydney. It would be great. But nevertheless, I talked my husband into quitting his job, and we moved with our two-year-old to Dubai 26 years ago. And so it was a big change. He was the only non-working husband, I'm quite sure, in the whole Middle East region. And I promised it would be two years, and it would be a great adventure. And 20 years, and three kids later, six international moves, we came back to the States. Goodness, (laughs) Wow. So I had such a fantastic opportunity. So I um, worked in technology in the Middle East, in Africa, in Central Asia, and Eastern Europe, and just, you know, really had an amazing, amazing opportunities. And along the way, raised three sons and came back to the U.S. and left the big company and started a startup and did digital healthcare, which is also super easy. <laughs> so, <Like not>. and, <laughs> yeah. During that time, I had a colleague that I knew from the UK who moved here and we were, you know, having cocktails one evening and she asked me why we never celebrated International Women's Day in the US. And I had no good answer. And so that sort of started my quest down the path for, you know, looking back on my career, I was always the only woman in the room. Mm -hmm. I was generally, um, you know, I I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I kind of went in head first and had tremendous luck, but also was really aware of my surroundings. And so it's kind of brought me to now I spend all of my time working on gender equality and helping, you know, girls and women to succeed. That's brilliant. So I actually had that question too. Why don't we celebrate International Women's Day? Because, you know, in other countries, I'm part Japanese and we have a Women's Day. We also have Mm -hmm. like a Boys' Day also. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you come across any good answer for that or a theory? Gosh, you know, I think I I don't have a great answer. I have a couple of theories. One is I think that, you know, we have been very open to commercialization. So we have Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. And Mother's Day culturally is something that we can all rally behind. Mm -hmm. Personally, I feel like I really am happy that I'm a mother and I, you know, feel proud of that. But that's not who I am in total. And so when I think about the genesis of International Women's Day being a day to acknowledge and celebrate women's contributions, and also that call to parity, 
I think it is so incredibly important that we as women and our men allies get together and recognize that. I think, mm -hmm. you know, I really believe that we have for so long had male dominated institutions all of our school system, our governments, our churches, everything is very much geared towards a male dominant society. And I just think that, you know, we've kind of let that go and there hasn't been a lot of awareness. Right. Especially just, you know, moving into to the modern world, <laughs> we can bring yeah. equanimity. Right. Um, oh, you, you mentioned how often in your career you were the only woman in the room. And I was wondering if you could point out any differentiating factors that supported your success in that. Yes, I actually can. Um, when I arrived in the Middle East and I, you know, do you, it's a podcast, so you can't see me, but I am not very tall. I'm about five, two with shoes on. <laughs> I have crazy curly hair and I don't look at all like I'm from the Middle East. And, you know, to be honest, some people said, oh my gosh, really, we didn't take you seriously till you opened your mouth. So, which is an, an interesting, but um, I had a male ally from the company when I got there, show up and have a meeting with all of our key strategic partners and told them to listen to me. And that what I had was to say was relevant to them. And I think that having that ally and understanding that, you know, I still had to do a job and I still had to earn the respect of those partners and perform, mm -hmm. but having that endorsement was critical. And I think that, you know, one of the, one of the things that I think every single day is women need to come together and we need to build community and support one another, but we can't possibly gain parity unless we engage with our male counterparts and engaging those people and helping, you know, and finding those allies that will support you is really a critical step. And that was my success. Hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like it just takes so much courage to be able to do that, to not only have that conversation, not only to speak up and establish yourself as an equal when it's not, you know, so readily apparent in most rooms, mm -hmm. but also having that conversation with your husband and family, you know, to, to make such a big life change. What did, what did that look like? And do you think that there are any con contributing factors uh, from your past? Like, where did you learn to have such courage and be able to have these conversations with people? You know, I, I think the conversation is so critical and I, I will say that, you know, my, my professional life is dedicated to creating parity, right? Every day. And I have that conversation with my husband and sons almost every day. And it's so, you know, I clarify with them and say, you know, this is an example and it's not combative and it isn't a, you know, I'm going to take the power. And I think that, you know, it's about, understanding how to communicate and work at something based on fact and based on advantage for everyone. And it's a process. It's a cultural change and incredibly hard. And, you know, I don't, I, I sort of giggle about where this came from because my whole family shakes their heads and they can't figure it out either. Um, I've just, I've always been sort of independent. And again, I've just figured, why can't I do this? Mm -hmm. 
you know, instead of assuming that I couldn't because I didn't have the right education, I didn't have the right connections and I didn't have enough money and I had a family and all of those factors that I hear constantly mm-hmm. from, you know, women, I think, yes, you can, you know, you can give it a shot. If you want to do it, there is a way. And I don't minimize the challenge that people mm-hmm. face and different challenges, but I'm a risk taker and my risk was pretty big. I think that women, you know, have a vision of where they want to be. And it's so important to follow your vision and communicate your vision and not be shy or embarrassed about that. I love that. Yes. And I think that you pointed out such a really great question that I don't think it gets asked a lot. I think it gets bypassed and looked over you know, when we, when we arrive upon a limiting belief that tells us that we can't do something, but we don't really know why it's just something that we've heard or have been told Mm -hmm. and, and asking that question, well, who, who said that? Or why can't I like, what, what is stopping me from going after something that I think I want, or at least looking at it? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, gender norms really dictate a lot of of, you know, cultural bias to us and we can't help it. And I, you know, I have the same people say to me all the time, oh, you must not be, you know, you must not have that internal voice that says you can't do things. Mm-hmm. Don't be kidding yourself. I have that voice yeah. every single day. <laughs> and I talk to that voice every single day and say, okay, we can get past this, you know, and I, and I think some people, you know, I'm the reason why we've hit on be bold, the name is, about being bold because I think bold comes in so many flavors. Mm-hmm. Be bold can be getting up in the morning and getting your kids to school. Be bold can be speaking up in class or in a meeting. It, it takes all kinds of shapes and sizes mm-hmm. and it's okay. It's yours. And you know, you have to say, I can do that. And you know, just because people think I can't, I can try it. Mm-hmm. What, so, yes, that, that internal voice can be so subtle, but also so loud. And I think it really is our responsibility, our individual responsibility and collective responsibility to be bigger than that voice. So is, and it sounds like you're doing so much work in helping people learn and understand that and then apply that. So could you walk me through a little bit about be bold and maybe even like the personal process that you take when it comes to challenging cultural bias and your own limitations? Absolutely. Um, Let me start with be bold because it ties back into International Women's Day. Mm -hmm. So when, when this friend of mine said this, we got together and said, well, let's have an event. Let's celebrate International Women's Day. And we you know, took the half day off work on, on, it happened to be a Wednesday night and we went to Costco and we bought, you know, snacks and um, told all of our friends and got WeWork to give us a space in their basement in Seattle. And we had 80 people and a little round table discussion with a couple panel people. And we based it all on the World Economic Forum's gender gap report. And so we had some data and we went from there and we thought we're so good. We had 80 people and it was so inspiring. Great. And so the next summer we started getting email from those people who attended that said, what are you doing next year? We thought, well, what do you mean? We did it. We were so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The following year we ended up having 350 people 
And then the last two years, we've sold out the event at the um, Seattle Symphony mm -hmm. Hall, downtown Seattle, with over 500 people. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Well, and you know, it's based on a couple of very important principles. Again, it's about celebrating women, but it's also really understanding where we sit. When we talk about gender parity, it's a big topic. And, you know, we base all of this in data. And so the World Economic Report says we are 208 years away from parity. No. <laughs> yes, we are. And of the 149 countries that are measured, mm -hmm. the U.S. is 51st overall, which has dropped two positions in the last year. And just to give you an idea, they measure across four different pillars of women's representation. Mm -hmm. Our political representation, we are 98th in that lineup of 149 countries. Oh, goodness. We are right by Pakistan. I never would have guessed that. Exactly. And I think that it's important that we know, because when we talk about it, you know, does this exist? Do you know, how did we get here and what do we have to do? It's a significant issue in the U.S. We are a developed nation and it is significant. And so, you know, I, I am very passionate about calling to action every woman and their allies so that they understand how much better our lives can be if we participate equally. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, one of the things that I spend my time in is helping women connect to either each other, telling each other stories about how they've been bold. Mm -hmm. And that's the process I go through and I evaluate every day. And I think, have I had a conversation today? Have I done something that is additive? And have I shared with someone? Because when you share stories, two things happen. And especially with women, two things happen. One is we feel we see that we're not the only ones who have had an experience or had a feeling, mm -hmm. which we oftentimes think, oh my gosh, this is just me. I'm crazy. I'm terrible. I've thought this. Nobody else believes this. You know, all of that. We're taught not to talk about things. That's right. Yeah. And then the second thing is, as soon as we tell each other stories, there's something that happens where we think, if she can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, and I've been guilty of that for sure. I think oh, if that woman can accomplish this, well, then here I go. I'm trying it. <laughs> and, and so I think that that's a really inspirational piece for women and girls. And so I, you know, I go through that process and think about what, what is my ability to accomplish those things? It's also, um, I spend a lot of time acknowledging all the bias I have because I have, we all do, you know, we grew up, we know we have a lot of Im implicit bias in our culture. And if we recognize it, it's the first step to changing it and understanding how it impacts us. Right. So I go through that process a lot. And I have one other, if we have a minute, I'll give you my other, my, I write notes to myself. I write aspiration notes. I do too. I love it. Because <laughs> I think, so, like, all of these little things, I feel like you're, you're building up past the bias. Because, you know, it's almost like these pathways, these beliefs are so ingrained, you know, in our, in our self-talk that it actually, it takes the same amount of effort to get out of it, right? 
but it is definitely, I feel at least, a personal accountability for every individual to be that trailblazer because even if you don't succeed, you laid a path that, you know, somebody else or people after you can follow and eventually it'll get there. So I think that that's also another kind of like limitation when it comes to women actually going after things is one, they're afraid of failure, but two, they don't understand that they don't have to do it all themselves. They don't have to get it perfect the first time. They just have to get up and do it and not ask for permission or wait on anybody else to tell them they, that they can do it or to take their place of, you know, being an, an equal contributing member. That was so well said. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I thought to my head. Yeah, you're totally inspiring me with everything. Yeah. I'm feeling a very passionate conversation coming on. <laughs> well, I, I absolutely firmly echo everything you just said because it is laying pathways and it's habit. And, you know, we all know, I mean, all of us, men, women, everybody, we've all started to go to the gym, right? And you go for a couple of times and you're really excited. And then you go, oh, I could sleep in or I could go out for a glass of wine. I don't really need to go, you know? And so, and, and if you form a habit of doing things and really being thoughtful about it, you begin to live it. And I think that this is what it's going to take this cultural change. And so, you know, they say 30 days of continual engagement is a habit. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I, I, you know, I, I checked that box and believe me, I, you know, again, I've lived with all males and they roll their eyes and go, oh. <laughs> but, you know, I do, as I said, you know, I think it's incumbent on all of us. I say often to them, did you just say that? I mean, really? Did you just say that? Let me tell you how that sounds in this context. And it's great. It's a really good conversation. Yeah. And you know what? I actually love those conversations, especially when emotion is taken out of it and realizing that it's not personal, that that's probably just their habit too. You know, again, it goes back to the sociocultural bias to where I don't feel like anybody is like actively intentionally against women in particular or one person in particular like it's just a habit and a belief system that desperately needs to change for the benefit right. of everybody that's right i um i've had an interesting um phenomena happen over the last few months because i have sons and i've had multiple women ask me what do you tell your children because things are changing and they have expressed concern that their sons feel like they're losing Mm. And that's an interesting conversation. So I think two things. One is, you know, there's, if there's not a seat at the table, bring another one. So there, we're not asking anyone to take seats away from the table. Right. Bring another one. And the other piece is that I, you know, for better or for worse, believe that, you know, my children, I've asked them all because it's never come up and they said they didn't take it personally, which is something that you just hit on. They said, we've never taken that personally because we've always understood that, you know, it is a shift and it's a mindset shift. And I think that if you're going to be straight up blunt about it, men are losing the innate right to lead. That's what they're losing. They're you know, it is, they have to share and no one is taking anything physically away. It's a cultural assumption that they are the center and they will lead. That's what they're losing. And so I think that if, 
you take a step back and look at what you gain from that, that's the way to look at it. You gain partnership, you gain diversity of thought, you gain different energy, you gain a compliment, you know, because men and women are different and I think they should remain different. And so you've got to talk about what's additive versus what everybody's losing. Yes. So well put. And again, I love this conversation. I love how you said, you know, bring another seat to the table because there isn't scarcity. There isn't a lack of anything. And it's almost like how I like to think about relationships in general, how, you know, sometimes people think like, oh, this person completes me or we're two halves of a whole where they're coming with, you know, 0.5 plus 0.5 equals one. But I'm like, but what if you're one plus one equals two, you know, mm-hmm. to your point, it's additive. We gain so much more when we work collectively and together because everybody has something unique to contribute. And if you're not at that table or if you're not offered a seat, or if you think that there isn't one for you, you know, we're all going to miss out. Right. That's it. Well, I have a question for you because I want to go back to the numbers. Um, sure. because, so, you know, in a world moving, so fast why is this taking so long <laughs> what, what do you think about that you know i i don't have 280 years <laughs> right i know it's crazy quality so so why do you think that is and how how can we help i think you know realistically it's hard for a group in power to let go of power mm-hmm. and that's what we're asking we're asking the you know the status quo and for lack of a better definition, white man in charge, mm-hmm. move over half step. And, you know, we have, as I said, Be Bold was focused on International Women's Day. And we've, by request, we've started doing a lot of bias workshops, gender bias mm-hmm. workshops within companies to talk about that. Because, you know, research also says is that um, men believe that if there are two women, roughly out of 10, um, they believe that they're, they see that as even enough women. Here we included you. (laughs) Right, exactly. And so, you know, it's incumbent on us to, you know, continue to push forward. We have, you know, and to fight the stereotypes. I hear a lot about hiring and there just isn't enough women, which across the board, there are more women graduating from university and into work pipelines than men. And so that doesn't hold true. And then as you go forward, you look at, you know, all kinds of myths we talk about. Women leave the workplace to take care of family or have children. Mm-hmm. Only 2% of women do that. You know, women um, have equal time with executives to um, get exposed to them. Mm-hmm. And six, over 60% of women that are first and second level managers Mm-hmm. say that they have never had a conversation or never had a social interaction with a leader in their company or in their division wow. compared to only about 20% of men because they do. And so, you know, there's, there's all those things that I think it's incumbent upon us to understand them and recognize that these things happen. And again, you know, they vary within a company and within an industry, but in general, if you know that, be aware of that and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And don't be embarrassed to talk about. Sure. And I think how we can help it is come together. 
You know, one of the things that I think that women, and I have worked for a long time, and so I've had fantastic women communities and some that were less than fantastic. I think it, it is incumbent upon all of us to support one another because, you know, we are going to gain as a collective versus one or two women fighting each other. Mm -hmm. So we need to stop doing that. <laughs> we need to recognize one another and we need to push forward for the sort of the greater minority to win. Right. And contribute to the solution. Exactly. And, you know, and I, I honestly, I hope that more women hear this because one, again, back to the seat at the table, there's room for everybody. There's no scarcity among us as women, especially in a workplace. But I would love to see this change just because it is so exhausting, right? It is so exhausting, like trying to be an equal with your counterparts or having to not only just be really great at your job, but like to have to ask for that time, you know, with upper management or, you know, having that valuable face time to be seen to, to, it's an extra effort to be a contributor, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, yeah, and it's exhausting on all fronts, um, I think, because that there are just these really high expectations, because even once you hold those roles in those positions, you really are expected to be perfect and to be that example and to not mess up. And, and that's, again, a limiting belief, but I just feel like a lot of eyes are on you once you reach that certain level of success as a woman. And in tandem with this, you know, going back to like the white men in charge, I feel like a lot of women also feel a lot of pressure to change their behavior. That's almost unnatural to who they are to kind of fit in with that white man in charge culture. So I was wondering if you had any tips or suggestions on how women can kind of be themselves in this effort also to, to know that we're not giving up anything in order to be equal. Absolutely. I'm, a, I'm really passionate about that topic because I think a couple of things that you said, um, there is a business reason to have more gender diversity in a workplace mm -hmm. and we need to continue to focus business on that. There is upwards of 27% better performance in teams and companies that have women in leadership. And so there is a tangible reason for it. And so when, you know, businesses think about diversity, they oftentimes categorize it into an HR thing, mm -hmm. you know, which it's not, it's a business goal. And I really try and pull that across the business and, you know, say hiring is one strategy to gain diversity, but there are lots of strategies like, um, promotions based on a point system, a blind point system, and you award people for tangible things versus, oh, I like that guy, we should promote him, or representation on project teams or client-facing businesses. And, you know, so there's all kinds of things that we need to break that down and think about how we talk about business goals mm -hmm. and put diversity gender diversity into those lenses and understand that there is a real bonus there and there is you know proven data that shows that right. now by the same token I think that women need to show up who they are because when you're being authentic mm -hmm. you 
perform so much better. There's no, you can't fake it. You can't, you may be able to fake it for a short period of time and kind of be like them, you know, but we've all had positions or been in situations where you're just not comfortable and you just go, Oh, I'm not doing anything well. Right. And I, (laughs) yeah, it's crazy. I was talking to a company that we were, we were prepping for a workshop Mm -hmm. and I was talking to this woman and I hadn't met her in person and we were talking on the phone and I said, you know, we're, we were doing a leadership piece. And I said, you know, there's different attributes that men and women bring to leadership. And so let's look at those very carefully. And we're going to talk about them. And I gave her some examples. And I said, you know, women bring, we bring everything to the table. It's just who we are. You know, we bring a relationship component, which has, you know, direct behavioral cons- uh, consequences in a work setting. Like, mm-hmm. We bring our relationships and we tend to impact attrition. So we lessen bad attrition with that relationship building. We compromise differently. We approach things, you know, so all of those factors. And this woman stopped talking for a long time. And I said, oh my gosh, you know, did I lose you? Are we going a different direction? Mm-hmm. And she said, I can't speak. I'm, I'm crying. And I said, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Okay. <laughs> She said, I just got my review from my manager and his exact words were, I don't want a relationship with you. I want to work with you. You know, and so I think that there's some recognition on both sides because women, you know, again, we're a lot sometimes for a lot of men. (laughs) Just, you know, because we got a lot to bring. And, you know, I I definitely know I get that feedback all the time. People go, you're a lot. Hold on. So, but I think that if we recognize that and we are not ashamed of that and we find a spot mm-hmm. in a profession, in a relationship, in a social, wherever we are that fits who we are, mm-hmm. it will work. And don't try and be a man. Bring who you are and you will be successful. I completely agree. And you know what? I, I agree. Not just how like we foster and grow relationships, but also, you know, searching for how we complement each other, how we complement our counterparts, also how we communicate, how we compromise. I think that, you know, honestly, it's just a, it's a fun thing for everyone to be involved with. You know, I really like the problem solving approach because we are way too good at problem finding, but if we yes. can do a collective of problem solvers, I mean, that is, it sounds like so much more fun. It does. <laughs> like there's so much more to look forward to when, when we approach things that way. I agree. I agree. Okay. Well, I, I really want to hear about Girl Rising and how you got involved and why it's special to you. Oh my gosh. So I, you know, I have the most fun life ever right now. And, and I think it's because I'm doing what I love and I'm being my authentic me. I kind of have to do it if I'm going to say it. (laughs) And Girl Rising is part of that. So um, I got involved in Girl Rising um, with, with Microsoft, the company I work for um, a little bit. And I got involved from a personal friend and tried to talk them into supporting when I was doing a tremendous amount of work in India. And the movie had just come out. And what Girl Rising is, is it was a group of journalists that in 2008, as a result of the economic crisis, they went out to sort of say, what are some of the solutions, mm-hmm. you know, that would, that would change the economic outlook of the world? What's happening? What's big? And they came back and said, it is educating girls because there is 
data and proven fact that when you educate girls, they marry later, they are healthier, they have fewer children, their children are educated, they lift all boats, they bring economic prosperity into their family, into their house or into their towns and villages and, and ultimately into the country. And so there's all these factors. And so they decided to create a documentary film and they released this film and it was stories of girls that had really overcome amazing challenge and barriers to get an education and the impact that that education had on their lives and on their communities. And so there became sort of a demand for that. And I, you know, I knew about the movie and I met the people and then they, started to transition into a nonprofit and create curriculum underneath that because their storytelling is so outstanding. And, you know, if we hearken back to what we're doing in Be Bold, our missions are the same in terms of storytelling. So they are inspiring girls all over the world mm -hmm. using stories because when a girl sees a story of a girl who's successful because she's out of a, uh, education, they relate to that and they say, oh my gosh, I could do that too. Okay. And so they have become a 5013C and really asked me to formally join, join them about a year, a little over a year ago. And I have had the extraordinary opportunity to see girls in Guatemala that actually some that go to school and some that don't have the opportunity to attend school, mm -hmm. see the girl rising stories and take them, internalize them, and change their behaviors in their towns, in their, you know, everything about them changes because Girl Rising teaches them that they have rights and it teaches them confidence and agency. And when they see other girls that have had similar challenges succeed, their drive increases tremendously. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite story that just contributes to your why that reminds you every day of why you do this? Um, a couple of them, actually. Um, like, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, one very personal story. Um, I said I have three sons and one of my sons is adopted and he is Romanian. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity um, several years ago to work with an orphanage in Egypt. And instead of working with the orphanage, you know, giving them things, we worked with them to teach the caregivers to read. Because the caregivers then, all women, then read to the children. And you could just see the difference in those children, their hunger to hear stories and to understand that they were reading books and to kind of get through that. And I think, you know, that inspires me every day because that is a you know it was a fundamental thing that we all take for granted right. and you know I think about the time that I had the opportunity to spend in Cairo with those women a couple of times and watch the transitions that those children made and that those women their confidence and their um, just their presence change and so that inspires me every day to think every woman and every girl in the world should have that opportunity and there are 130 million girls not in school today mm. and so you know that that inspires me and i 
you know, I have had the recent opportunity in Guatemala to, to see the enthusiasm and the light in these children's eyes when they really recognize that change is possible. And I was at a school on a Saturday with girls and boys, interestingly enough, and the boys and girls saw this curriculum and understood these stories. And the change in the boys was sort of remarkable because they never thought of girls that way mm. as being successful. And so, you know, again, I, that's what grounds me in terms of allyship and why that is so important is because if we teach boys to respect and, and to expect equal from girls, right. that's a huge step forward. So those stories inspire me every single day. Yeah, and we're changing the narrative around it. Exactly. I love that you get to, you know, experience, experience this firsthand, you know, to really have that realized impact because I think in a lot of ways when you do work like this, when, when you're backing initiatives and supporting them, you don't always get to see, like, how your work goes out into the world and affects people. So I think that that's really great and so important, like a very important reminder for people to get involved, even on the smallest level, um, and to really experience that realized impact because it'll really help you continue that and to keep up with it. So how can more people get involved with this ex or with this effort? Is there like a really big ask behind the work that you're doing? There's two asks I'd say. First, continue to be passionate about if you're if you enjoy something, build a passion and feed that passion every single day and remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, and share stories. I you know on the Be Bold website, which is B B O L D now.com we collect stories to inspire other women because again once we hear stories from each other we gain so much and we think we can do that and so my ask is please contribute stories to us because other women want to know your story and I guarantee you're not the only one (laughs) so and then you know again I go back to find your passion even in a small way and if it's education, if it's getting involved in politics, if it's changing the narrative at work, if it is, you know, um, anything, providing more healthcare access to women, anything, find out, you know, what's happening in your community or how you can help. And if you can't, one of the things that we are working on very hard is, is creating sort of a directory to help women get involved because I am convinced that if we help you get involved and we build that community, we will change things. 208 years is way too long to wait. So long. <laughs> it is so long. It can't, you know, I, we need equality now and we need gender parity today. And if we can move that up by a hundred years, how great would that be? Right. How much more can we accomplish? If yeah. We move this forward faster exactly great well thank you so much is there anything else anything else coming up on deck for you um any announcements that you would like to share um i am gosh you know working on international women's day this year and we are creating a a a posting of all of those Mm -hmm. i do a tremendous amount of writing on linkedin and i would love for people to read those okay so that's coming up 
Um, Girl Rising, we just released a film last spring on International Women's Day called Brave Girl Rising. That is about a refugee and it's a fantastic film and I want everyone to watch that. And if you love that, show your love for Girl Rising. Amazing. Perfect. Well, such a pleasure. I, could, I feel like I could, this could be like an endless conversation <laughs> with endless initiatives that would come out of it, but I appreciate your time. And um, I have to share that this conversations like this and the sharing of stories is that exactly why I continue to do this. You know, my podcast is almost like a little bit of a hobby, but mm-hmm. out of it has, it's facilitated so much connection to other people beyond anything that I could ever imagine. And it's had a personal impact on my life. You know, being, I was raised to be a wife, super submissive and obedient, yep. to keep my mouth shut. And the second I started sharing stories, the community completely embraced me. So it's just like an affirmation that this work really, really is important. And I so appreciate you for promoting it. Absolutely. And if you want to submit a story, we'll do them um, either written or audio or video. It doesn't matter. Okay, sure. I would love that because we're just building that up. And as I say, you know, as you found, the more you share, people go, oh my gosh, I want to be a part. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm very hot on it. So I'm with you and I'm totally supportive. And thank you so much for the work you're doing. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's inspired by people like you. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you again, Kate, for sharing your wisdom, stories, enthusiasm, and expertise with us. Thank you also for the expanded awareness of how deep-reaching the issue of inequality and the violation of women's rights really is. I'd love for this to be a continued discussion, no matter how tense, uncomfortable, or celebratory, so be sure to leave me a comment or even share your own experience. If you'd like to learn more about Kate and her nonprofit, Be Bold Now, you can find the link to the organization's website in the description box or on the Prismatic Life under the show notes. There you can also find information on Girl Rising and where you can watch their amazing documentary, which I highly recommend. Some important dates to keep in mind. The International Day of Girls is October 11th, and Girl Rising is having a benefit in New York City. On that same day, there will also be a screening of their new documentary, Brave Girl Rising, at the UN. Also, International Women's Day is March 8th every year, and... The Seattle Be Bold Now event is March 5th. Tickets are available starting January 10th, 2020. Ticket information for both of these events will be posted in the show notes. And last, Kate shared with me some exciting and very big news. Her book will be out in early 2021, so we'll be sure to keep you posted. As always, thank you for being a part of this community and promoting the conversation Please like, share, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. It really does make a difference, especially when spreading the word about topics like this one discussed today. Remember, human rights is an issue that touches everyone, and it's all of our responsibility to collectively reach for solutions. Until next time, cheers everyone.